That's the one thing all great teams have in common. Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Andrew. Hey, Goldberg! I bet if that talk was achieved, brother, you'd stop it. No, I agree. I would not be an acid physically. I have more of a podcast body. Black, 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 It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. Young man, what did you eat? I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello, everyone. That's Kevin. No, Kevin's out. But we did get Tommy back. And welcome to the Quack Attack Podcast, the definitive Mighty Ducks podcast. We are back, as I told you last week. They did not quit. They've just been busy. So Kevin was supposed to be here, got pulled into a meeting, was making some moves. He was in L.A. I, I would... He says it was for WrestleMania. I hope he was doing some side tasks about, you know, pitching some studios on the Mighty Ducks universe and maybe. I, I did hear that um, Kevin was ready with like a quack attack business card in case he ran into Josh Jackson. Um, and that did not happen, but I appreciate his, uh, his readiness. Yeah. I didn't even know we had quack attack business cards. Maybe so. it was a shirt he had with him or something. I don't know. Oh, nice. Nice. So we will move on. We were going to record our second movie. Speaking of the Mighty Ducks universe, we were going to lay out the second movie, uh, tracing Casey Conway's backstory. But we want Kevin there for that because this is a, a bit of a turn. You can go to back to our previous episode where we set it up. I think that's episode 348. We set up the whole universe and Bombay, our first movie of phase one of the Mighty Ducks universe. So go back there, refresh yourselves, and then we will come back for the second movie. And I think it's going to be a good one. I'm excited about it. But that is not the case for today. Today we're calling an audible. And we're just going to take a sense. Tommy is a new parent. Uh, if you remember Chucky Scuds from the early days, he is also a new parent. I have two kids who are three and under. So we're, we're, we're going macro here. We're talking about the state of the movies with this generation. We're talking about sports movies, the cultural phenomenon that was in the 90s. And anything else? Did I miss any talking points here, Tommy? Yeah, and so we kind of came up with this, um, this topic out of the blue. So I've been, I've been gone, you know, parenting essentially last month, but I'm back on um, parental leave. Uh, first, you know, shout out to my company for, for having generous um, family leave um for new parents and uh, it's very important i think for bonding for um for kids who have two parents and um and so you know one thing you know i've you know jokingly said it's like oh when do i introduce my son who was uh 12 weeks old um to certain you know movies and you know media and things like that and you know i think it's like oh star wars how old do you need to be to watch star wars and you know of course mighty ducks is a, is a big one but that's like years down the line right but it's also, we're in this incredible, you know, we're in the streaming age where, you know, think of any piece of media you ever watched as a kid, you probably have access to it in some capacity. You know, Nickelodeon's library is on Paramount Plus, Disney's library is on Disney Plus. Um, you've got Netflix, of course, you have HBO Max, you've got Amazon Prime, you've got all of these. And so think about your favorite movies as a kid, you can watch them. And also these sports movies, you know, The Mighty Ducks, Remember the Titans, Angels in the Outfield. You know, you've got uh, Rookie of the Year, and it's like, you know, this kind of, you know, there is the 90s renaissance of kids' sports movies, and it seemed like, 
they um they all like made a buck or two and so they were kind of churning them out and disney was in that era of you know i think it was jordan kerner who said like you know nowadays they want to hit home runs with you know kids sports movies it seems like they probably pivoted a little bit for streaming and so we didn't really have these like kids sports movies anymore it's kind of like the um the series and so we want to talk about you know 90s versus today and then as well as you know are there good kids sports movies? And we want to hear from our, um, our listeners. You don't have to have kids. You, you don't have to, you know, have nieces or nephews. Um, that'd be great if you wanted to share your experiences with, with them. But, you know, you know, Mike is the uh, person with the most parenting experience on this podcast. You know, <laughs> you, um, you tried to introduce your, your eldest, who's three, to the Mighty Ducks, right? Yeah. So our rule was like essentially no TV until two uh that that came from reading some books that says they don't really understand anything until about two so there's i was um quick sidebar so like literally last night i was like watching like uh, a soccer match u.s versus mexico on hbo and my son was just like looking at the tv i'm like you know what i'm gonna allow this and then like (laughs) earlier in the day i was playing video games and he like woke up and was like just looking at the tv and i was like i need to wrap this up because he should not be watching me play resident evil um, but he doesn't know what's happening. Um, right. But I do know that screen time and kids is kind of a big conversation in parenting. So sorry, Mike, to, to interrupt you. Like no TV before two. That that sounds like a good rule. Do you remember exactly why you kind of you and your um your wife came up with that? Well, it came from a parenting book I read. Uh, from it was from it's written by a doctor, and then she has a you know author that helps her out. But basically, they laid out the study that like any benefit they get from watching TV under the age of two is like not much versus you know what they could be doing going around exploring so uh, I, I definitely not judge people who have their kids watch tv under two like I think everybody everybody does their own thing so don't make that this is not meant to be a parenting podcast or, or controversial like some of the recommendations in that book I did not follow as well they just didn't work for my kids so Everybody do your own thing with that. Being was said, there a recommendation? You remember they're just like, uh, no, not doing that. Um, it was more like, oh, like spread out the bottles to this certain time frame, And, you know, there should be drinking this much. And like, it just never worked for us. Like, like our daughters needed bottles in a more closer interval than what they said and, and things like that. So, um, and yeah, there's some other stuff where they're like, oh, this you know, snot sucker doesn't work. And then we use the snot sucker and it works. So like, again, who knows what, every kid's different. Every parent's different. Do what you want. Uh, But with that said, yeah. So my daughter, we all got COVID in July. And that's when we, that's when she first sort of uh, was introduced to it. And it was actually my wife who introduced her to it. Well, she was watching the TV and it was on Disney Plus. And obviously the Mighty Ducks was in the watch list. So she said she wanted to watch the hockey movie watched it over the course of like four or five days ish like 20 minutes 15 minutes at a time how much attention span yeah so like kind of got it said she liked it but didn't really like it didn't latch on for her like when you have kids like they they latch on to certain things and like they're obsessed with them for a long time like right now it's frozen so like we're all about singing frozen in the car and things like that like that did not happen with the mighty ducks uh, it might. She, I, who knows how she was feeling at the time too. But I think if I was to turn it around, that was uh, almost a year ago. No, if I was to turn it around, have her watch it again, 
I think she'd be more engaged, but I don't, I just don't know if it's her thing, which is like a weird thing to like, it's a weird parenting thing to have to figure out. Like you want them, you want to introduce them to things you like, but you also want them to have their own path. So I, I, I try not to be too pushy on the mighty. Yeah. Ducks. And so like, if you say like, this is daddy's all time favorite movie, he loves this. Will she be like, well, I love it too. Or, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why she wanted to watch the movie in the first place. Like, I think she watched it, and like I said, she liked it, uh, but it wasn't like, you could tell, it's not her thing that she is obsessed with and really loves watching. So, fair enough. Like, we'll try again in a few years, and I think maybe five, six, seven, who knows? Maybe maybe it sticks that time. But, yeah, Tommy, any have you thought about it at all? You're still early. You're, still, you're only a couple months in. Have you thought about when to introduce him to the Mighty Ducks and, and you know, how hard you're going to push it. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, I'm definitely not going to push it. I'm like you, it's like, I want to develop his own interests, whether it be, you know, the Mighty Ducks or, or whatever, you know, uh, you know, maybe he hates movies, you know, obviously um, we have to combat, you know, or not necessarily combat, we deal with like YouTube. Right. And, and that's essentially going to be the big driver. And as soon as he, you know, starts interacting with other kids, you know, in, uh, in preschool, um, he's going to get stuff from his peers, like, oh, you need to watch this, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's going to have like, that will have the bigger influence on him once he becomes, you know, five, six in school. Um, but I'm trying to think when I first saw the Mighty Ducks, because I don't think I saw Mighty Ducks one in theaters. I do remember I had the VHS, pretty sure I saw D2 in theaters. I definitely saw D3. Mm. um because i remember being disappointed in d3 in theaters when i was you know <laughs> 10 or whatever um and so i'm thinking like third grade is like the wheelhouse of being able to understand it but it's like when you're a kid you want to watch movies about kids mm-hmm. and so i loved you know all the kids i loved averman because he was funny like me you know the bombay stuff like the the adult drama part of it didn't really stick with me as much and then i remember d2 i loved he's like oh usa you know and so again, you know, not really relating to Bombay when I was that young. And so I, I want him to be able to relate to the kid, but also kind of understand some of the more concepts about like, oh, these kids are, you know, from a rough neighborhood, that kind of thing. So like third grade, eight years old seems like the wheelhouse. I don't know. He could probably do younger, five or six. But again, I don't want him to be like, this is stupid. Let's, let's watch Bluey or whatever. All right. Yeah, I think eight is a good number. Like, because first of all, n- if you're under eight, you're probably not sitting through an hour and a half movie anyway. Like it's going to take a couple sessions. Like I think eight years old is r- right around the time where you're like, okay, you can sit there and do it. Uh, I did not see any of the movies in the theaters. Uh, I think I'm a, a year younger than you, uh, but still, I did not see any of the movies in the theaters, all VHS, all like random cable channels, uh, all that kind of stuff. So that it was just sort of there for me. Which is interesting because that is not going to happen like with our generation, like, or with our kids' generation. They're not going to be flipping through channels and be like, oh, Mighty Ducks. Like, it's going to be a more direct, um, a direct. You're not going to be surprised by it. And you're never going to be like, oh, you know, Catch Me If You Can is on. I'll, I'll listen to the end of that. Right. You kind of have to choose to watch it. And so during the early days of my son's life, when I was off work, you know, I'd be up with them. And I, I kind of made a rule. I would be on HBO or something, HBO Max, the streaming. And I'd say, instead of just scrolling forever to find a movie that I think I want to watch, and I'm just fucking watching the same thing I always watch, you know, <laughs> watching 
you know, I'm, I'm currently just like on a huge Simpsons rewatch and just like putting it on the background, I'd say, oh, I wanted to watch this at one point. I'm just going to press play and watch it. And so I watched like, you know, Capote for the first time. I watched JFK for the first time. I watched the first half of Hugo. And then like I went to bed and like I just tried to rewatch the, the end of it and was no longer on there. And so it's one of those things where you have to make yourself watch these movies that might be a little bit mediocre or you're not sure instead of going into like kind of your comfort, like, oh, I definitely want to watch this, you know? And again, you know, you're not scrolling through channels and being like, oh, like, let me watch part of this movie or let me watch this show. It's, it's all very curated. Yeah. And so I, that's why I don't think any sort of like, movie like that is going to have a the cultural relevance like i don't know if we're going to have cult hits in the way they did for like kids like you're if you're adult you know movie comes out maybe it doesn't get good reviews but you hear social media that kind of stuff it sort of builds as a kid you're just going to want to watch whatever daniel tiger bluey whatever gabby's dollhouse what all the all the different shows that are out there where you're just going to click it and go to whatever show you want. And I think that's going to continue as you go older. So that, that sort of, yeah, discoverability is not going to be there unless it's like a suggestion. And there's a parent like one of us who's saying, Hey, this is good. Watch this. So that's my, I guess, concern is like, there's not going to be this sort of genre of like pretty good kind of cliche kids movies or kids sports movies for our kids because they're going to be watching the same thing and I think the only thing that's going to sort of be a shared viewing experience is something that's huge where like every kid is wearing the merchandise and doing that so you know the frozens and that kind of stuff so that's that's my concern is like this genre is not going to be there I know Disney plus is you know they're putting out different series they did one on the on Giannis Antetokounmpo and his brothers and there's one called the crossover. I don't know if that's the same thing or a different thing, but they're they're putting out these small like movies and TV series revolving around sports. But like, is it going to capture the nation, or is it going to capture a, a generation? What is one of those going to capture the generation the way you know the Mighty Ducks did? Yeah, what's interesting is also think about how you are consuming movies now. It's like, Mike, what's the last movie you saw in a theater? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you. It's been probably three years. So I saw, and of course, COVID um, really interrupted all this, but I saw Avatar 2 in theaters. Mm. I saw um, Spider-Man No Way Home. I think that was the, the title. I mean, I, I loved it. And I saw Dune. And those are the three movies I've seen since 2020. And it's like, I love going to the movies and I love watching movies. I just don't. Now, part of it now is obviously I have a, I have a baby. You know, mm. I'm not, I'm not going to be that guy. A quick sidebar. I remember very, very distinctly uh, when I worked at the movie theater, when I worked at AMC, I got to watch all these free movies and I got to bring friends. You know, you could bring one non-family member. I was like, oh yeah, these are all my cousins. And yes, none of them are my ethnicity, but whatever, no one cares. <laughs> um, but we went and saw like a, an afternoon uh, showing of The Descent, which is a horror movie. And there were like 14 people in the theater, but it was in one of the big theaters. And there's like a couple, like a young couple who bring in a baby with them sitting in the front. And the baby's like crying all through like the first 15 minutes. And then someone starts to chant, no more baby, you know, and they end up leaving. And the guy was like, if anyone wants to fight, I'll beat it out in the lobby. And so that was a great viewing experience. The Descent's a great movie. Um, but anyway, I, I don't want to be that guy bringing a baby into an R-rated right. movie. Um, 
Anywho. And so, yeah, movie theaters, it's like, and when I got a little bit older, when I was a kid, you know, seven, eight, nine, you know, what do you do during the summer? You know, you've got summer camp, maybe, you know, your, your, your parents, if they're working, you know, like mine were, they're trying to find ways to like babysitters, whatever. And like babysitters, like take them to the movies, take them to the dollar theater on Tuesdays, Mm -hmm. Wednesdays is, is that's not necessarily viable now. Like, you know, Mike, if you and your, your wife and two daughters wanted to go to a movie, how much money are you dropping? You know, yeah, that's a you're good gonna point. drop like at least sixty bucks on like tickets and like one popcorn or something to share. Mm. You know, and so again, it's like it's very very different for I think for you know what I guess Gen Next is what our kids are is that what they're called next because it's oh. like Gen Z now then it's Gen Next I don't know okay. they'll come up with a interesting name after the nuclear you know Holocaust of like 2032 <laughs> or something you know yeah. mutant next or something. But anyway, yeah, like movie theaters are like totally different now. And I, you know, I, I would love to have the experience of like going to a movie every single week, but that's just not going to happen. Yeah, it, it is a good point about summer, though. And this is where we might need to rely on on the Quackalites who have some older kids. Like maybe that is the wheelhouse. Like summer, you're trying to find something for them to do. You pop on a movie and say, hey, watch this. Like, I love this. So like maybe that is the the intro and that's the way you get into it so i'm feeling a little better now i was feeling a little um down that like the experience i had and the experience i love with all these like i said ran sort of random movies between you know mighty ducks the big green little giants all that that sort of genre was was formative in my life so like the fact that i don't even know if if like a gen z generation like do they have something like that if you're really into sports like i was like do you have movies like that if you're you know well i don't know what the gen z cutoff is though now but like if you're in high school right now like do those high school kids have those movies from their you know when they were younger that they can still pop on and and relive the little sports journeys I don't know. So one, one thing I guess I was just thinking about this is, you know, think about like the blockbuster Hollywood video experience, you know, the mom and pop video store. And I guess in a way that was kind of like, you know, streaming in the way is like you're walking, you're just looking at all the titles and sometimes you can be overwhelmed and you just like pick things. But I also remember vividly there was like um, like a mom and pop video store that we go to on Fridays. And for whatever reason, I really wanted to watch Angels in the End Zone. Cause I was like, I liked angels in the outfield and I like football more than baseball. This will be great. And it was just like three weeks, like in a row, they didn't have it. And we finally got it and I watched it and it was so bad. Um, but I guess that's kind of in a way too, it's, you know, the, the browsing and like, look at all these movies at my, you know, fingertips, but at the same time, you kind of had to wait. Um, so I don't know. It's, I guess there is still somewhat of that experience of, you know, there's a lot of media options for us. Like think about, you know, kids who grew up in the late 70s or, or 80s. And it's like, oh, you didn't see that movie? Tough shit. You know, <laughs> you catch yeah. in the drive-in in two years. Um, and so I guess, you know, people who are 10, 15 years older than us are probably seeing the exact same thing. It's like, oh, if you didn't see it in theaters, like, good luck. You know, and that's why, you know, you said people like, oh, I saw Empire Strikes Back in theaters 11 times where it's like, okay, that seems excessive. you know like what's a movie you saw in theaters like multiple times like you know three times i'd say is is there any um 
nothing like comes to mind i'm sure i saw like i've seen the movie and then like oh your friends are going to see that movie so you're like i'll see it again but it wasn't like oh i love this so much i'm gonna like go back to the theater and watch it again with like the same group of people so actually like you know as i'm saying i actually saw the new spider-man twice in theaters i saw it once by myself um because i really want i wanted to watch it early like opening weekend um and avoid spoilers and then i i took my wife to see it and she didn't even really want to see it i wanted to see it again um <laughs> but but yeah i guess that's the thing is i think i would see a movie and then maybe like i go home for the holidays and they're just like you know i don't want to talk to my parents so it's just like well we'll just go to a movie and like i know this is good we'll just go see this you know but yeah different different generations um but i i would love to hear from um oh go ahead mike go ahead what were you gonna say oh i was just sort of saying to sort of wrap it up like i think it's gonna be on the parents to to force the kids to watch like some varied stuff like my daughter likes mickey mouse there's you could go on disney plus and just watch mickey mouse for hours upon hours upon hours mickey and minnie and all the little uh clubhouse and fun house there's a ton of it so like there's going to have to be a time where it's like, no, let's watch something else. And maybe that is how we get the younger generation into whether it's Mighty Ducks or something else. I'd like, I would, I would hope they had their own thing. So maybe hopefully one of these Disney movies or Disney plus series or movies, sports movies are good. And so that's how we get into it. But I don't know. Like I said, Quack lights with older kids might be able to help us out in this situation because we are still, I think, as you mentioned, out of the prime range for something like the Mighty Ducks. But I did not mean to interrupt your train of thought there, Tommy. No, that that's real good. You know, I'm, I'm I think just uh, you, you kind of said what I was going to say is like I want to hear from the Quackalites. I want to hear from people about you know when did you introduce Mighty Ducks? What is your take on kind of how we consume media right now and you know, is there, you know, you know, in a way, you know, things like the Mighty Ducks will live on forever. Um, but is it like, are you going to stumble upon it? Like, I remember reading something about like, oh, this movie was great. And it got Oscar nominee nominations in like 1987. It's like, I never fucking heard of this thing. <laughs> and so it's like, it probably, and if it wasn't on TV or unless like my dad had it or like in VHS, like I wouldn't have watched it. Um, and so like, I remember when I turned like, 19 or something I like sought out a bunch of old movies and you know watched them whatever became real snooty about it like I think a lot of um you know 19 20 years old 20 year olds are about like movies and so I was able to see a lot of older stuff I remember when I was a kid I like anything in black and white I was just like no fuck that like I'm not watching anything in black and white and my um, parents had like paper moon which was made in the 70s but it was in black and white because it was like about you know 30s or 40s or whatever um depression I guess it was 30s and so it was I remember watching and being like oh this is actually pretty good and there was a kid in it and so I liked mm -hmm. it more and okay. and so you know some of that is just like look as, as a parent or, or someone who might be influential to children you know you kind of have to like hey I, you're gonna like this just watch it trust me yeah right this is something I thought about with game changers and like I guess I was a little surprised you know because mighty ducks was such a cultural phenomenon game changers had like a good media push for the like season one premiere and then sort of fizzled out and then season two obviously there was no media push and nothing so like 
is it possible to have the sort of I don't know cultural relevance that the Mighty Ducks has is it possible to do that again with you know whether it's game changers or something else like I don't think game changers really ever had a chance to have the same sort of relevance but then again you look at something like Cobra Kai which has sort of spanned the generations like the older the parents love it and the little bit older I think I think it's more tailored to our middle school high school kid generation but like it has grabbed those viewers in a way that I don't think game changers did so I like is it possible to do it outside of you know the the one unicorn that is Cobra Kai that's a great great point and like sometimes it is like just finding it but think about um if if for whatever reason they made don't bothers like t-shirts or, or sweaters and if you were wearing one would anyone say like oh hell yeah don't bothers game changers right whereas if you're walking around with a conway jersey or whatever someone be like quack quack like so you're you're definitely not going to have that right yeah so yeah i, I this whole talk of like reboots and nostalgia and like, can you do it? And how do you do it? Like, I do think it, in the end, Game Changers could have been better. But like, I don't think it was ever going to reach, you know, the what maybe the hopes that we had for it in terms of, at least I had for it in terms of like the cultural relevance. So like, maybe it's unfair to expect my kids or any others people's kids to, to, revere something as much as you know we liked it even though it wasn't you know the number one you know movie of the year or whatever so i don't know a lot to think about a lot for the quack lights to break us down what as uh, as tommy mentioned this was sort of an audible so we were we had a lot of thoughts going through our heads i i have one more talking point that has nothing okay. to do with mighty ducks <laughs> and um and i'm curious to get your your um um your take on this mic it is also i want to hear from the quackalites like is there like a movie that you can think back to that you watched that you were young enough to kind of like be like this is awesome but definitely like we should not have been watching and so to me it's like my first rated r movie was pet cemetery and that mm. scared the shit out of me i was way too young <laughs> i was like seven but when i was 10 i saw starship troopers on like showtime or something and i fucking loved it and like i still love starship troopers and i i think it holds up it's it's great so like mike is there like do you remember like that first r-rated movie that really stuck with you and how old you were yeah i i might have been 10 might have been 12 i was in that range but i think my brothers or my yeah i think it was my brothers wanted to watch jerry Maguire. And I like we they just rented it. So I was there watching Jerry Maguire, even though, you know, I was probably a similar age as the kid in the movie. That's a so, sports movie. Yeah. So that, I think that's what like brought me into it. But yeah, Jerry Maguire is my first R-rated movie. So very good. I watched Jerry Maguire um, sometime in the last um, six months or so. I still really good. All right. Good Cameron Crowe film. <laughs> there you go. All right. We'll take a short break and then we will come back with a quack question. We haven't done one in a while. So I want to do a quack question. So. We'll be right back. One, we are back with the quack question. You ask us questions on Twitter, Facebook, through the Discord. You can ask us on Instagram if you want. You can email us, quackdeck.com. Go there, contact us. But this one comes from the Discord. This comes from Phila Hoove, who asks, 
Do we know who actually defended the District 5 title this season after the Ducks won it? Is that where Tammy, Tommy, Carp, Peter, and Terry were during D2? So, interesting points here. The timeline from what I understand, so Junior Goodwill Games we know happened in March. That's typically the end of a hockey season. Like when I was playing hockey, our state championships were mid-March. So it it makes sense that it would end maybe, you know, earlier. Maybe there's it's beginning of March or February, or this is a year later. We don't really know, you know, what the, I think we've talked about this before, what the difference was uh, between those. But it is a good question in that we, even if we take out D2, that next year, what is happening? Yeah, is there is there the need for like a Mighty Ducks one and a half? Like they had a Lion King one and a half, where it's like what happened between the end of the Ducks title to the beginning of D two, and it would be funny if like Carp, Tommy, Tammy, they all like showed up for like the first practice for like where is everyone? <laughs> like not realizing that they're off to bigger and better things. Um, maybe they, you know, the league also. We've talked about how corrupt this league is, you know. Maybe there wasn't a title to defend, you know, because maybe they, they shuttered it because, you know, Hans fled. That's a so. good point. Cause Riley says no one's going to make the team next year. Whether that was actually true or not. Tough to tell because McGill is wearing a Hawks hat in D2. So maybe he's, you know, he's hanging on to the past. And yeah. Maybe he's hanging on to the past. Maybe he's still on the team. So if the Hawks fold, or Riley, I would I would assume if Riley says that he just goes somewhere else, or maybe yeah yeah I would assume he goes somewhere else, but you can disagree with me on that one. So um, Junior Goodwill Games is in March. Correct. That's like what's a interesting summer. is like they they make it seem like you know it's summer break at the beginning of D two. Mm-hmm. You know, Averman's working in a movie theater, and so the timeline i guess is just a little bit and it's like winter during when they win their title right you know and so it's almost like you know they win the title in like january right and then summer is when we first see the ducks again and we go i can't believe they beat us last year mm-hmm. and then goodwill games are somehow the following march maybe or it's the it's the immediate march after and then they come back and defend their title. So it's like 2 months after they won there. Right. But Gordon Bombay went to, you know, the minors. Oh, he went to the minors, yeah. And so that would have been the following year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I would and yeah, you would assume cuz he there was some back history too. Like he was lighting up the league for a while and then the announcer says, you know, he's one step away from the NHL. And then he gets hurt. So he, it's not like he played two, three games. Like he had a he had a body of work that this announcer is pulling off of. So yeah, I think there's a year in between. And the question is, yeah, who's the coach? Does Bombay come back like he said he did? You would assume Charlie, Jesse, all those guys are back. They they're eligible to play again at least. Uh, but who knows? I think I think the league folded or something, or they had to take a year off or. I mean, hell, maybe they just aged out. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the play. I think league folds, Hans goes, 
and he's obviously a big supporter backer of the league. So league folds. Riley, I do think he cuts everybody, starts either the Hawks or a new team in a new league. And yeah, there's no there's no real title defense. So Bombay gets out of it despite making that empty promise in the end. I think that's the most logical answer, but I'm open to other thoughts and other questions from the Quackalites. You know where to find us, thequackadick.com. Go there, contact us at Quackadickpod on Twitter, facebook.com slash Quackadickpod. Go to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen and give us a review. There's, you can ask us questions on Spotify and things like that. Drop a comment, whatever you want to do. It helps us. Helps with the engagement. All these companies are measuring engagement now. So whatever you want to do, go do it. Instagram, Quack Deck Pod. Thanks to our producers. I think last episode I said John Hodge was the person who donated. It was actually John Cooper. I apologize, John. So John Cooper, thank you for your donation. And thanks to all our producers. And remember, talk squad together. Talk squad together. Ain't no turning back. Got to be the man is up. Hard to pack a time. The quick and